conversation, information, and revelation. It's the Politocrat Daily Podcast with me, Omar Moore. Subscribe now and spread the word. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Wednesday, December the 23rd. 2020. So it's important that we all minimize our social contact as much as is possible this Christmas, and that will help protect ourselves, our loved ones, and the whole country. On this edition of the Politocrat podcast, the coronavirus in the United Kingdom, and what the government is doing about it, or not doing about it. Plus, education in the United States, the appointment and the announcement specifically of Miguel Cardona, who Joe Biden has tapped as his next Secretary of Education. That all coming up Next. Let's just remind you of those figures that have just been published. 744 COVID deaths in the UK in the last 24 hours. That is the highest number since April the 29th. 39,237 new cases recorded in the UK in the last 24 hours. That is the highest number on record. That was Sarah Hewson of Sky News giving very grim news that the United Kingdom now is facing some really difficult times. This is a pretty tough crossroads for the native country that I am from. And it's going to be a very testing time, as it is for everybody around the world. The increased rates of infection and death in the United Kingdom, the amount of new cases and the strain and variants of virus that are coming up now that I think are going to be another global disaster on top of what we currently are experiencing. I am not one to want to bring you news like this. But I do think it's important to be honest and direct with people. And it is important to give them the tough news so that people can be informed enough to make the decisions that can save lives. When I heard the health secretary in the UK, Matt Hancock, earlier today talking about putting more of England into the highest level tier, tier four, the more and most severely restricted conduct and movement for large swaths of England. I thought to myself, why on earth doesn't he just say that the entire country of England, my native country, be put under tier four restrictions? I think that that would be the smartest of all things to do. But what 
Matt Hancock and the Tory government under Boris Johnson is doing is going piecemeal. And I think that that's actually a big mistake. To go piecemeal with an unprecedented virus like this, one that is spreading very, very quickly, it's extremely contagious. I really do think that the Tory government should rethink, you know, really rethink this piecemeal approach and instead treat the English public like adults and not like four-year-olds. Of course, that's an insult to four-year-olds, I think, when you have the kinds of things that Boris Johnson, Matt Hancock, the Tory government in general, and the right-wing media and press are doing to the English public. It's just embarrassing and disgraceful. I mean, the English public is really being treated as if it is four years old. All of these very juvenile headlines coming out of the Daily Mail and the Daily Telegraph and the Daily Star and the Sun, all of these very amateurish base level headlines that are completely clownish, all designed to mock the English public and to insult its intelligence. Meanwhile, you have Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland that are treating its citizenry like mature adults. And I think that that is what England has to begin to do now. Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson and the government of the Tories in general must start to treat England and English people specifically like grown-ups, like the grown-ups that they are, and not treat them as if they are lab mice that need to be guarded and protected with, with the light-hearted approach. I am not saying that these folks are being sanguine about what's going on with this virus. Indeed, Matt Hancock today gave a pretty darn sober press conference briefing. But that sobering briefing is really very little unless you tell the English public, right, we're going to have to put all of you in tier four and it's going to be for the rest of this year into the new year, maybe the first or second week of January until we start to get control of things here and try to manage and contain the virus as best we can. Here's what I want you to do. A, do this. B, do that. C, do this. And D, make sure that you do the other. What if Matt Hancock had done that in this press conference? I think in some ways it's worse to do what he did do which was to add some 20 different counties or cities or towns across the southwest and southeast of England to tier four. And then talk about this brand new strain of virus, this new variant, excuse me, that has come from South Africa, apparently, where two people inside the UK apparently have been in contact or have come down with this new strain from South Africa 
these two people had contact with people in South Africa or who had been there to South Africa and they are now either in effect, they are infected with this more severe strain of virus which now apparently affects younger people much more dramatically and that is the population amongst whom this new variant of COVID-19 is really spreading. And this is again from South Africa. This is different from the Southeast England strain or variant, I should say, which is spreading through Southern England. And I think that Matt Hancock should have said, we are closing everything to tier four. We're moving the whole of England to tier four and then talk about the South Africa strain. It would properly put things in perspective for everybody in England. I think it would be of some benefit to have a proper contextualization of what is happening. But what you have now is fear and you're going to have more fear when you have less information and when you have less guidance and when you don't tell your population that the whole country that it resides in is going to be put under tier four, is going to be put under a lockdown along the likes of what we saw in Italy back in April and May of this year. Back in March of this year. I don't think that you need to have a PhD from Oxford or from Cambridge or from any top university to know that when January comes, there will be another press conference either from Boris Johnson or from Matt Hancock announcing that the entire England population will be put under a national lockdown. I'm telling you, that's going to happen. And my whole thing is, why wasn't that announced already? Why don't we do that as a preventative measure rather than wait until there is news of some other variant of this virus that becomes progressively severe? then to act. I think my issue here is that, another of them is that the UK government, the Tory government under Boris Johnson, is reacting and reacting and reacting rather than taking enough proactive steps to ward off these very fierce, contagious viruses and variants. I honestly think that had Matt Hancock today said, right, we're going to tier four for everybody. I know people wouldn't be happy with that because only on Saturday, Boris Johnson had the press conference saying that we're going to reduce the bubble in England to just one day, which is Christmas Day. 
But I guarantee you, if you've got an even more resistant variant of this COVID-19 disease, this virus going around in England now. And with what we saw over the weekend with people fleeing London and crowds of people, even if it is isolated incidents of it, you do not need very many of those incidents to spread a virus. And even the fact that you've made it a 24-hour bubble, any risk of transmission of gatherings of two different households in any period of time is only going to invite this virus to be a very unruly guest in your home. I'm really concerned about this. I know you are too. And I'm concerned about where this is really headed for all of us because it's only going to be a matter of time before this virus finds this new variant of this virus finds its way to parts unknown and places known. Your place, my place, our places, anywhere around the world. It's just going to happen that way if we do not take a more serious approach and we must take this more seriously. It is only going to be a matter of time before this virus becomes unbearable. I mean, it already is, but it is only going to be a matter of time before these new variants of this virus will find their way to where you live, where I live. That's going to happen unless we start taking proactive measures. That's just going to be a fact. And instead of reacting and piecemealing things, we need to treat people like adults. We need to treat populations like adults and not like two and a half year olds. It's just not on. I don't think you can fashion a literate public health atmosphere. If you are talking to people and saying they're there, we just have to do this, we just have to do that. The virus is not talking in a language like that. The virus is not talking to you in its dulcet tones. It doesn't come to you with these soothing melodies. So why is it that Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson are talking about this virus as if it is somehow just a visitor and not as if it is an invader. That is the difference. And I think that is the difference between the way England is handling this and the way that Taiwan, South Korea, New Zealand and other countries of that ilk are handling this virus. They are treating it in those other countries as if it is an invader. In England, 
Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock are treating this virus as if it is a visitor. And I've got to tell you that this is not the way to message public health, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Welcome back. I just wanted to add a couple of things. This new variant of COVID-19 in England is very concerning. I mean, I'm here in California, um, but it's very concerning. And rates are spreading. I mean, in the United Kingdom at large, the rates of infection increased over a one-week period by 57%. That is very troubling. In the last seven days alone, from this week to last week, from last week to this week, the percentage of infection from coronavirus jumped 57 I really do think that Boris Johnson has no idea what he's doing as Prime Minister and I've said this before he is literally walking and making this up as he goes along and he is not taking sufficient preventative measures or at least proactive measures to counteract what is a red alarm public health emergency. He simply isn't doing that. And I just wish that Matt Hancock had gone that extra mile today. I really do. Matt Hancock even said in his press conference today, I hope that this is the last press conference I do before Christmas. And here we are two days before Christmas. And Matt Hancock is saying that at his press conference. I always have believed that had the government of Boris Johnson's Tories decided to act earlier, And had Boris Johnson not skipped at least four COVID COBRA briefings in March of this year, I think the UK and particularly England would be somewhat better off than they are right now. Because if there had been a more severe lockdown than there was back in March and April in England, I think that the public now would be more mature and better prepared to deal with what we're seeing now in England. It is all very easy for Matt Hancock and for Boris Johnson to talk about personal responsibility 
And I agree that personal responsibility is very important when you're dealing with this virus. Of course people should wear masks. Of course people should physically distance. And of course people should avoid large gatherings. Of course people should wash their hands. But where is the responsibility of Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson, particularly when it comes to messaging about this particular disease that has killed over 68,000 people in the UK? That is one-tenth of one percent of the population of the United Kingdom. 68,000 plus people and counting. Where is that sense of urgency? I don't sense that there is from here. And that's me sitting here in San Francisco, California. When I see my fellow country persons really struggling with this. Because you have a government that is not leading how many times did Sakir Starmer, the opposition leader of Labour, tell Boris Johnson that he's got to act now and fast? How many times? How many times did Boris Johnson mock Sakir Starmer during Prime Minister's questions? How many times did he give Sakir Starmer nicknames? And how many times did Boris Johnson have to end up literally two, three days later, a week later, two weeks later, on each occasion, having to do exactly what Sakir Starmer and others had called for prior? This is no way to run a government. This is no way to message to the English public in the midst of a pandemic because your failure to message properly, your failure to take proactive steps leads to the very breakdown in personal responsibility that you ask of the general public. When you have government officials running around and not wearing masks, when you have yourself as Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who you were at death's door back in April of this year, and when you stand next to a politician and he's not wearing a mask and you're not wearing a mask and you're less than two meters away, that is not modeling good behavior for the English public for you to then turn around and tell them to be responsible when you have been anything but yourself. That is not good messaging. That is dangerous. It, it sends a mixed message to the public when you've got Dominic Cummings rampaging around Barnard Castle, driving 75 miles or 100 miles 
because he wanted to test his eyesight, or so he says. And then you pay him an extra £40,000 after all of this happened. You reward him for his bad behaviour, his irresponsible behaviour. That really does not send a good message or a sending of a good signal to the English public. If this new variant from South Africa is targeting young people, this is going to be a major disaster for all of us. Not just people in England, not just people in America, but everywhere. South Africa is struggling with this. So South Africa is affected. That means the African continent will end up getting affected. That means that anybody traveling to South Africa now has got to start exercising caution. I should really rephrase that and say any government now worth its salt should be forbidding travel to and from South Africa. I mean, that is what should be happening if it hasn't already. Of course, you would never know that by watching, I'm sure, the American news media. You'd probably have to read to find out if that's happening. Today, Matt Hancock imposed a ban on travel to, the, to South Africa, forbade flights coming in and out of there, urged quarantines immediately if you've had contact with people who have been to South Africa in the last couple of weeks. Or if you've been there yourself. My whole point here is that a whole lot more has to be done. Governments have to start treating their citizenry like adults. And in this case, Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock have to start treating the English public like adults. Tell them the truth. Tell them what they need to do and lead by example. I know how challenging this year has been for students, for educators, and for parents. I've lived those challenges alongside millions of American families. Not only in my role as state education commissioner, but as a public school parent and as a former public school classroom teacher. For so many of our schools and far too many of our students, this unprecedented year has piled on crisis after crisis. It's taken some of our most painful, long-standing disparities and wrenched them open even wider. It's taxed our teachers, our leaders, our school professionals and staff, who already pour so much of themselves into their work. It's taxed families struggling to adapt to new routines as they balance the stress, pain, and loss that this year has given. It has taxed young adults trying to chase their dreams to advance their education beyond high school and carve out their place in the economy of tomorrow. 
and it has stolen time from our children. We've lost something sacred and irreplaceable this year, despite the heroic efforts of so many of our nation's educators. Though we are beginning to see some light at the end of the tunnel, we also know that this crisis is ongoing, that we will carry its impacts for years to come, and that the problems and inequities that have plagued our educational system since long before COVID will still be with us even after the virus is gone. So it's our responsibility. It's our privilege to take this moment and to do the most American thing imaginable. To forge opportunity out of crisis. To draw on our resolve, our ingenuity, and our tireless optimism as a people. And build something better than we've ever had before. That's the choice Americans make every day. It's a choice that defines us as Americans. It's the choice my grandparents made. Avelino and Maria de la Paz Cardona and Hermana Muniz Rosa. When they made their way from Aguada, Puerto Rico for new opportunities in Connecticut. I'm proud to say I was born at the Yale Lakers housing projects. That's where my parents, Hector and Sarah Cardona, instilled early on the importance of hard work, service to community, and education. That was Dr. Miguel Cardona in Wilmington, Delaware today as he spoke about his upbringing and spoke about education. Education is so important. And today, Dr. Miguel Cardona was announced as the nominee for Secretary of Education. This is really an important position. I mean, all of these major cabinet positions are important. And I am very happy that someone like Miguel Cardona, Dr. Cardona, is being tapped for this position because he has done, uh, I think, a very good job in Connecticut. He is the education commissioner there. He has had nothing but positive reviews from what I have learned. He is someone who is young, which I think is important. I know that's going to sound ageist. Um, That doesn't mean that people who are in their 70s, like Joe Biden, couldn't do this job. They can. I'm not talking about it like that. But what I mean is, Dr. Cardona is going to bring fresh ideas That's what I mean. And I think he's 45 or 46 years old, so he's young. I mean, this guy's a young guy. He's a Latino, which, again, is a good thing because we need to have more Latinos in these major positions. There are only, to the best of my recollection, two Latinos in top cabinet positions that I can think of off the top of my head. The other is Department of Homeland Security, and that would be um, the uh, gentleman known as Ali, Alejandro, and I forget his last name. But the point is, is that there are only two Latinos in major cabinet positions in Joe Biden's admin. Now, someone can correct me if I am wrong, but I do not think I am. 
I think uh, what I am not happy with, uh, before I get back to Dr. Cardona, is that there aren't any Latinas. I don't see any Latinas in major cabinet positions. And as I said a few days back, Michelle Lujan Grisham, the governor of New Mexico, should have been on the list. In fact, she may have been, but I mean she should have been selected as the health and human services secretary. Uh, you know, I, I just don't understand why she wasn't, um, you know. Um, and I should say, uh, correct myself, there are three Latinos who are in major positions. Javier Becerra is the health and human services secretary. So that's actually three. All Latino, Latino men, you know, men, all three of them men. I think that one of those three positions should have been held by a woman and specifically a Latina. I Honestly, I think so. There's no reason why we couldn't have had a Latina be the Homeland Security director. I, I, I don't see why that couldn't have happened. And I don't see why Michelle Lujan Grisham couldn't have been tapped as the Health and Human Services secretary. But Joe Biden and his team who make these picks... You know, they have their reasons for doing what they're doing. Um, you know, they're mostly moderate picks, overwhelmingly moderates. And again, these administrations are going to do that, but it is our job to push them. And it is our job to lobby them. Because Wall Street's going to lobby them, believe me. You know, the big farmer is going to lobby Joe Biden. So why can't we, as I've said before, there is no reason why we cannot. So that is something that we've got to keep in mind here as we are now exactly 28 days away from the swearing in of Joe Biden for president and Kamala Harris as vice president. This is going to be, again, a very, it's going to be an historic event. It really will. 28 days from now, four weeks from today. Dr. Cardona, I think, is, is going to be really good as education secretary. I really do. Because I do think that, again, he, he's younger. Um, and again, I mean this in terms of the ideas that he brings forth. He has been a success in Connecticut as the education commissioner. I've not read a bad word about him yet. I've not come across it. Um, as you heard there. He spoke, um, I just think he's got, you know, he's got a certain level of personality to him as well that I think is going to be good. This guy has personality. I mean, again, um, you don't have to have personality to be an effective secretary of education, but I do think it is a good thing in any of these positions. But again, I, I risk veering into reality TV territory when I say things like that. Because it's not about your personality in terms of getting this job um, as Secretary of Education. It's about your approach, what you do, what your ideas are, and how you work with others, and how you invite people to work with you. Smiley face or no smiley face. Emoji or no emoji. You know, I mean, this is how these things work. Betsy DeBoss was an absolute disaster. Betsy DeVos 
was an absolute disaster as Secretary of Education. Her whole mission in life is to destroy public schools, was to destroy public schools. She had not stepped foot inside a public school until she got the job. Next to that abominable failure named Betsy DeVos, anybody would be a ray of sunshine, an absolute ray of sunshine. And thankfully, Dr. Miguel Cardona will be more than even that. I guarantee you, you're going to see a very different approach with Dr. Cardona than you will and have seen from Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos had no experience in education whatsoever. She didn't even know basics when she was being questioned for her confirmation. And she barely got through. I think it was something like 51 to 49 or so in the U.S. Senate. I mean, it was that close. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think Vice President Pence, I think Mike Pence had to come in and break a tie or something. It was that close. She just was not fit for the job. She wanted to privatize every darn thing in sight. And she actively defunded education. She also allowed for people who rape and assault people on campuses to keep doing it and weakened the punishments and the restrictions on this behavior and the complete relaxation of criminal penalties, administrative penalties throughout school systems. It was just horrendous as we look back at these four years in education alone, the continuing defunding of education over these last 40 years done by Republican administrations. So Dr. Miguel Cardona comes in and will come in because he will be confirmed and I guarantee you it won't be 51 to 49 or it won't require any kind of tiebreak should, of course, John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock be elected in Georgia. And please, Georgia, it's so important to get going on this. I'm going to do a Facebook Live video tonight, Wednesday, December the 23rd, 2020, about the importance of Georgia and the importance of Georgia voters right now for John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock. Because these two senators, if they become that, will make a huge difference to how well Joe Biden's administration is going to be and how good they're going to be and how much they get done. Because let me tell you something, these Republicans are already looking at 2022 and 2024. And so far, Speaker Pelosi has not been very helpful and has actually given more fuel to 2022 for these Republicans than 
she has not. I mean, there are campaign commercials being cut right now with Nancy Pelosi. I'm guaranteeing you, the Speaker of the House, she's giving them campaign commercial material. And I've chronicled that here over the last day or two on this podcast. So there is no need for me to rehash it again. I am very thankful that we do have someone like Dr. Miguel Cardona to steer this ship because I think he's going to be infinitely better after what we've had the last four years. If someone knows anything that is not so good about Dr. Cardona in terms of his career and education, please let me know on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L. I really would like to know. I've not been able to find it yet. So if you, if you can tell me, if someone listening can actually tell me, if you're from Connecticut listening and you know of Dr. Miguel Cardona's work as education commissioner in your state, tell me how he did. Because I know that he did well. He's very well respected. So I don't think he's going to have any problem being confirmed by the Senate. And those confirmation hearings will get underway soon after January 6th. And you will probably have, well, I think you will have, well, I know you will have a new Senate. And I am very confident about John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. However, later on, tonight, that is, I will be doing a Facebook Live on this particular situation in Georgia because it's very, very important. So please tune in for that on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page for The Politocrat as well. I will put a link to the video. Um, Once the video is done, I will add it to this podcast edition. So Miguel Cardona, the new, will be poised to be the new Secretary of Education. Nominated today by Joe Biden. That's a really good bit of news. I think I'm going to leave it on that note because why would we want to leave it on any notes of of how rough the world is right now? It's really a rough time, isn't it, for people, for you, for me, for us all over this world. We are two days from Christmas for those of you who observe and celebrate that day. It's going to be quite something. And this will be an altogether different Christmas. I'll be back tomorrow, Christmas Eve, with another edition of the Politocrat Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.